Thanks for coming to Prodigal. Uh, we're going to see some more of that story a little bit later on, but I, I'd like to start off with sharing a little bit of some of the letters that Santa has received over the last several weeks. Here's the first one. Dear Santa, how are your reindeer? If you cannot buy what I want, take it easy on yourself. Just give me tens and ones of money. <laughs> Letter two, dear Santa, I wanted to tell you I am fine. I don't know, but if you can, could you possibly make it so I can turn into a dragon, please? Or a pet dragon, ether, either one will do. Though I would like it if you could turn me into a dragon. Uh, P.S. Have a happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Is he writing in February? <laughs> That's dedication. He's getting a jump start on the holiday season. Uh, dear Santa, Santa, if you are bringing presents with batteries, bring batteries. <laughs> Amen. Come on, Santa. Dear Santa, how are you? I'm good. Here's what I want for Christmas. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www.amazon.com. It's <laughs> great. Dear Santa, how are you and the reindeer doing? I am fine. I want a new game and a football because my little brother always tries to steal mine. He may look sweet, but he is the devil. <laughs> I also want a remote control truck. Love, Evan. That's a run-on sentence, Evan, okay? I think you're going to be getting a, you know, a grammar book in your stocking. Uh, we took photos just this past week with Santa Claus and our kids. Here's that wonderful picture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My daughter wasn't a fan, uh, to say the least. Neither was Santa, by the way. <laughs> Come on, Saint Nick. It's not very jolly of you. Uh, I was never afraid of Santa growing up, but I certainly didn't like him all the time uh, because I wasn't so sure that he liked me. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. It's like, it's like he's wagging his finger at me, you know? He's making lists. He's checking it twice. Uh, he's going to find out who's naughty and nice. He sees you when you're sleep. That's weird, right? I don't want anybody watching me when I'm sleeping. Uh, he knows when you're awake. When I was younger, I had the view of that God was like Santa. He's taking notes of all my wrongdoings, and he's marking it on my ledger, right? If I was good, God blessed me. And if I was bad, God cursed me. Uh, if, if I was nice, I could, I could pray every night, like I'm sitting on Santa's lap saying, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and God would give it to me. And if I was naughty, the wrath, bad things, I trip, I fail a test. This is all because I was naughty. No, the Christmas story in the gospel tells us that I am unabashedly loved by God, that God loves me when I'm bad, and that God loves me when I'm good. The gospel proclaims that you cannot do anything to make God love you less, and you cannot do anything to, to make God love you more. And this is where we're headed this morning. In the birth of Jesus, God shows people their worth, and we should do the same. In the birth of Jesus, God shows us our worth and people their worth, and we should do the same. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
you're familiar with this verse. You've seen this written on signs at a football game. Uh, you've seen it on TV shows. Uh, people get tattoos with it. You've even seen it on people's faces. Uh, it was the verse that I put on my letterman jacket. I had this verse memorized as a teenager, and many of you had it memorized long before that. And this morning, we're only going to look at the opening part of this verse. This right here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, this verse is often used to refer to Good Friday, the day that Jesus died on the cross, or to Easter Sunday, the day he rose from the dead. But this is not predominantly an Easter verse. It's a Christmas verse. When Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, he's not referencing the cross. He's referencing the manger. He's not refer referencing the crucifixion. He's referencing the incarnation. When Jesus spoke these words, it was long before his death and resurrection. He's drawing their attention to the fact that God loves you and me so much that he left heaven to show you. The incarnation declares that you matter, that your child matters, that your neighbor matters, that every person on the planet matters. That's what the Christmas story declares. The gospel doesn't begin and end on the cross. It begins in the manger, it culminates on the cross, and it ends with resurrection. That's the good news of Jesus. For God so loved the world. This word world was originally written in Greek. It's the word cosmos. Uh, it means the inhabitants of earth, men, the human family, everyone, everyone. When he says, for God so loved the world, Jesus is announcing God's love for humanity, for everyone. If someone ever told you the gospel, and in their telling, they say that God loves some people, but hates other people, they didn't tell you the gospel. The, the, the gospel declares God's love for people. The Christmas story declares this story, this love. It declares your worth. You're worth the God of the universe becoming a man to show humanity what God is like, to show the world that God is love and that you are deeply loved by your creator. We often don't feel worthy of God's love because we often picture him as a Santa and we know all the naughty things we've done or thought or said. And so we don't feel like God loves us but it's in those moments of brokenness. It's in those moments where you mess up that we should run to God. Hebrews says that we pursue him, approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. When do you need mercy and grace? Is it when you uh, go to church and everything's great and everyone's happy and you, you look great, everything is awesome? No, you need mercy and grace when you fall, when you mess up, when you blow it, when you yell, when you have this explosive argument with your spouse. When do you need mercy and grace? In our time of need. And that's exactly when Jesus says to go to the throne with confidence. When you least feel like going to the throne, going into the presence of God, praying to him, is the very moment we should run with confidence. We question our worth, but the Christmas story tells you what you're worth, and we have to hold on to that. Here's a short clip about something that may have appeared 
not worth much, but is actually a great treasure. Go ahead. I bought the watch just before I uh, came back to stateside. My sergeant recommended that before I came back to the States, buy a Rolex watch. Why did he do that, do you know? Well, he liked the, he, he thought that was the best watch ever made. I'm very pleased to tell you that this watch today at auction is a very, very collectible watch. Just the watch on its own merit would be worth today between thirty-five dollars and $45,000. But this watch is worth much more because you saved the box and all the paperwork for it easily today. It's sixty-five dollars to $75,000 in the market. Wow. I had no idea. I'm speechless. If you would have told me $1,500, I would have been happy. If you'd have told me $1,500, I'd have been happy. That's the good news of God. That's the good news that we are told in the scriptures that we see in Jesus, is that you're worth much more than you think. I love that moment where the auction guy says, this watch is worth much more. It's like you had him at 35,000. And then he said, but it's worth much more. This is what Jesus does for us. He shows up on the scene and says, humanity is worth it. It's worth myself. It's worth my son. I love you. You are made in the image of God. You are a child of the king, and I'm here to show you. We have so much value. We think that we're a clearance item at the dollar store, and God says, no, 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 you're better than a Rolex. It's beyond measure. And because we have such worth to God, that should propel us to live in a way that affirms the worth and the love that God has for other people. For God so loved the world, not for God so loved me and the people who agree with me. It's everybody. Everyone matters. Everyone has value. If John 3.16 only affects our eternity and it doesn't affect how you treat people and how you see people, then I don't think that we understand this verse that has become synonymous with the good news of Jesus. Every person matters. That is the earth-shattering truth here. The lonely matter. The poor matter. The alone matter. The depressed matter. The addicted matter. Everybody matters. God of the universe loves shameful people, sinful people like you and me. Um, my wife and I have two kids. We have a five-year-old son, Dex. He was up here dancing with the toddlers. And we have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Ivy. And lately, whenever Ivy wakes up from her nap uh, and she's ready to get out of the bed, she yells, Da! Da! And it's the best thing ever, right? And of course I love it. And Sarah recorded it and sent it to me when I was coming home from work on Thursday. This is a quick... It's the best. It's the best. And this past Tuesday night, Sarah and I took our kids out to dinner in River Park, and we had a return to do at Nordstrom Rack. And, and so getting the kids out of the car, a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a five-year-old, uh, is a pain, right? Uh, then you get them in the cart, and then they get in the cart, and Ivy wants to get out of the cart the whole time, and, De and we keep saying, Dex, don't touch that. And so none of that's worth it for a return. So Sarah stays in the car and drops me off at the store to do this little return. 
So I walk in, and I'm hoping, as I leave the car, I'm hoping that the kids will just be good for Sarah, right? Because they're going to see me leave, and hopefully they don't, but I'm going to try and sneak out of the car so that they're, you know, she's not saying anything. As soon as I close the door, I hear, da! And I'm like, okay, well, let's hurry. So I get in there, and I'm hoping that there's no line. I was wrong, okay? It's the Tuesday before Christmas, exactly one week. There's a, a huge line. So now I'm in the store and I'm waiting, and I'm in this massive line. I text Sarah and I say, hey, there's a big line. So I'm waiting there, and I, there's Christmas music playing in the background, and in between verses, I can hear the faintest, da, da, probably from the parking lot. And so I pull out my phone, and I kind of start trying to, you know, look at uh, social media and sports and all this stuff. And in front of me is a woman with a daughter, and she's probably five or six, and she's playing with these bronze flasks, flasks. I can't say the K. Flasks. Okay. And she's picking them up, and then she's taking off the cap, and then she's throwing them down, and she's kind of making a big mess, and she's being loud, and then the line keeps moving. And so the mom moves, but the daughter stays. So now there's this space between me and the woman in front, because I'm kind of waiting for the daughter, the five, six-year-old, to go. That's what I want someone to do if it was my son breaking stuff. But she just gets, you know, louder and more obnoxious. And and she starts, the, the, the mom starts saying something in a foreign language. I wasn't sure what it was. And I thought, you know, the translation would be, get over here. Um, but the daughter just starts doing more stuff. And I'm like, the line's up there, sweetheart. Like, let's go. Uh, I, I'm in a hurry. And I'm almost getting mad. Uh, so I think to myself, hey, lady, the line is moving. Get control of your obnoxious and loud daughter. Then I hear, and I've probably got one too in the car right now. So I finally make it to the front. I do the return. I get back in the car and Dex says, dad, you were gone such a long time. And I'm like, I know son. So now the kids are hungry. We go to River Park. Horrible choice. Tuesday before Christmas, there's like a farmer's market, there's like a kid's choir. So we just enter the parking lot, but we cannot get out. We go, this was a bad choice, let's turn around. Sarah's like, should I turn around here? And I go, yeah, turn around here. And I go, no, not, not there, here, should I turn around? And now we're, all these cars are lined up, we're in this parking lot, I want to honk the horn, and I want to declare with everyone, I hate every person on planet Earth right now. <laughs> and the very next morning, I'm working on my sermon about how God loves everyone on the planet. <laughs> when I think about that woman with her, two daughter, with her daughter at Nordstrom Rack, how, I think about how she is the one Jesus is talking about when he says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. That woman, that five or six-year-old girl, breaking bronze flasks, for God so loved that mom and her little girl at Nordstrom Rack that he sent his only son. That the love that this mom has for her daughter pales in comparison to the love that God has for these two women. If I could go back to that line and see this family not as a nuisance this Christmas season, but as a declaration of the goodness of God this Christmas season. That this season declares that God loves the world. And under that realization, my posture, my attitude, my heart towards strangers is no longer disdain, but love. 
That's what this season's about. Every person has worth. For God so loved the world, you, me, the cashier, the waitress, the person sitting next to you, the homeless man on the street corner. We are loved by God, and every person has unsurpassable worth, and we should treat them that way. Christmas isn't about me. It's about his love for we, the humans. He loves us. It's not about presence. It's about presence, his presence in us, in our presence, in seeing and showing the love of God to the people that are around us. Being present to the needs and desires of others is essential to who, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, Christmas Eve is tomorrow. M many of us will be gathering with our loved ones, family and friends. And doubtless there will be a moment of weakness uh, when you want to snap, when you want to yell. Those of you who have children who are on break, I'll pray for you. <laughs> You're going to want to snap. But could we choose to see the image of God and how deeply they are loved by God? And would that change the way we respond to negative comments? Would it respond to the family members that show up that say the wrong thing, that just try and stir the pot. The gospel speaks into all of our relationships, even to our little sisters who embarrass us at school. I want to bring up the rest of the, the, the kids for the rest of the play.